So as we get going, to show of hands, who learned something new about the church last night? Okay, good, good. It may have been a refresher for many of you guys, for you, some or others. It may be the first time you learned some of those things about the church. But basically what we talked about last night is just as a quick recap, is that we just looked at what is the church? What is the church and who is the church? And what we learned is that the church is a, a committed community of baptized believers who are, per, who are here to help each other fulfill God's purpose for our lives, right? And that's what we looked at. And so we realized that we are the church. We as a body of believers are the church and that matters. And so today what we're gonna look at is we're just gonna keep continuing to dive on in into what, what the church is and who the church is and what, why this matters, but really what is our part? So now that we have a foundation, we are diving into, hey, what role, what responsibility do I play in being the church? And so knowing that kind of definition, I wanna explain that for you. I wanna help you guys break that down. And so I wanna use baseball as an analogy. Any baseball players? Okay, we got like softball players. We got a few. Okay, well, the good news is that this is true for most sports. But the analogy that I wanna share with you guys about baseball is that I like, truly, I grew up playing baseball. I love baseball. It's one of my favorite sports in the world. But what I love about baseball is that it can't be played alone. It is no fun if you play baseball and there's no pitcher. If you go out and you're ready to be in the, you're in shortstop and you're ready and there's not a ball to be pitched, you're gonna be standing there a while, right? If there's, no, if there's no pitcher, if you have no catcher, you got base runners that are gonna steal home over and over and over again because there's no catcher there to tag you out. If you have no outfielder, you can just hit dingers all day long to the outfield and your infielder's gonna run it down and it'll be an in the park home run over and over and over again and it won't be fun for anybody. The point of this is that every position matters. Every single role that is played on the field matters. There's not a single player that doesn't matter on the field. And even if the ball doesn't get hit to you at all in an entire game, you simply being there matters. It's because of you being there, you are playing your part and you are ready to move when it comes to you. Whether even if it gets to third base over and over and over again, if you're in right field and you are just waiting, you being there ready to move matters. And the same is true for all sports, for most team sports, I should say. Baseball, basketball, soccer, softball, tennis, maybe. Uh, yeah, 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 cheerleading, cheerleading for sure, volleyball. I mean, these team sports are huge where every single position matters, right? Well, guys, the same is true with the church. The same is true with the church, but, but I want to tell you a quick story before we just dive right into that is that when I was in high school, I was a freshman in high school, I was 14 years old, and I played basketball on a really, really good basketball team. We ended up winning the state championship my freshman year of high school, and it was a really big deal. Sophomore year, we were expected to win the state championship again. It was pretty much the exact same team as before, and so everyone expected us to continue to take it to states and just to win. And so we just continued. We started the season really strong, and we continued to win and win and win. And then we got some guys on the team who got in a lot of trouble. Some guys on the team got suspended from being able to play the next game. And then we had some guys on the team who were injured and they weren't able to play either. So we literally went into this next game with five people, five eligible players. And if you don't know much about basketball, when you have five eligible players, all that means is that when you get tired, too bad for you. Like tough luck. You, you're like, no one's coming in for you. If you get, if you foul out, tough luck, like, so what? Like you will, we're gonna play with four people. If you get hurt, too bad. You gotta suck it up. It's not, nothing's gonna happen, like, except for you're gonna move on and you're gonna play with the players you have. And so we literally have five players and our coach is like, guys, we can do this. We can do this. We can just play tight defense, play help defense, make the right pass, make the smart shot, whatever it is, we can do this. Well, guys, we didn't do it. <laughs> Needless to say, not before the halftime even hit, our center, our postman, our biggest player on the entire team bowed out. And he fouled out almost like after the first quarter. And so we played in another, a whole like second quarter, almost with just four versus five people. 
And it was just, it, honestly, it wasn't too bad up to the half. We went to halftime, we were down just a couple of points and our coach was like, guys, we're not out of this. I know that we're at a disadvantage. I know that you guys are tired. I know that you guys are run dry, but hang in there. Let's continue to play tight defense, smart shots. We can do this, hang in there. A couple of minutes into the second or the third quarter, one of our forwards fouls out. It is now three people versus five. Awful. From that point on, it was game over and it was just terrible for the fans, for everyone in attendance. It was just an awful, awful ball game. Can you guys imagine that? Being three, like, and so it's just me, it's our shooting guard and it's one of our other forwards. And what we realized is that we were terrible because we were trying to play parts that weren't ours to play. We were trying to fill roles that weren't our roles to fill. And so by doing our own and trying to do somebody else's, our team suffered. Well, guys, the same is true with the church. And that's what we're gonna look at this morning is that we all have a part to play. And so as we do that, you need to know that you have a strength, you have a gifting. And if you aren't using that to your fullest abilities, then your team is suffering and our team is the church. So we need to start thinking about the the church as a team because you are not in this alone. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that, but, but every position matters, every single position. And so what I want you to know is you're going to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we're gonna spend most of our time this morning. But before we like dive into the scripture, you need to know that, that Paul is writing this passage because he's writing to the church of Corinth and it is a mess. The church, this church is not the church that we saw witnessed last night in Acts. This church is full of division. This church is full of jealousy. This church is full of people complaining and whining and wanting something that it's not. And what we're gonna find is that people are jealous of each other They're jealous of each other's roles and parts, and they can't even agree on who the church is even about. What we find in this chapter is that this church, some of them are thinking, hey, we need to be following Paul. Others are like, hey, no, we need to be following Cephas, which is just another church leader. Some of them are like, no, we need to follow Apollos. And then other people in the church are like, guys, we need to be following Jesus. Like the church was founded on Jesus. We need to be like looking towards him. And the guys are like, "Mm, nope. No, it's definitely Paul. My vote's on Paul. And the guy's like, are you kidding me? It's Cephas, it's Apollos. And then others like, guys, y'all are so dumb. It's Jesus. The church is about Jesus. And the guy's like, nope, nope, it's Paul. It's definitely Paul. So that's what's happening is that there's conflict about each other's roles. They can't agree on who the church is like founded on or who they should be following or who they should be listening to. And that's not even it. Like there's more to their disunity and dysfunction is that each of them understand that God has given them a spiritual gift and they are jealous of each other's gifts. And they're saying that gift is better than this gift. And I want that. And I don't like what I've been given. And so I'm not going to use it. And so that's where we're going to jump in this morning is that there's this, you need to know that in this church, there's so much disunity and it's just rampant throughout everyone. And so Paul is writing this letter saying that it's dumb to be fighting over all this stuff and just needs to stop. It needs to stop because the church is one body. The church is one body and it demands unity. If the church is gonna function like it's supposed to, then we need to be unified in it to be what it is because it will fail to be what it's supposed to if we are not united in this mission together. And what was that? The mission we learned last night is that we are called to change the world and advance the kingdom. We are called to make disciples, right? That's what we learned. That is our responsibility as a church, regardless of what your career will be 20 years from now regardless of whether you'll be a a husband or a wife or a mother or a father or a professional athlete or a plumber for the rest of your life, your mission is to go and make disciples as a believer in Christ. And we are called to do this together. 
And so we need to be unified in this mission and not complaining and being jealous of what each other have. And so the church is made up of one body and it demands unity if it's gonna work the way it's supposed to work. And so what is our role? That's the question I want you to be asking this entire message. What is my role? What am I playing? What is my job as a believer, as, a, as the church? What is my part to play? And so we're gonna dive right into 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we're gonna start in verse one. And then we're gonna jump to verse four and then just continue from there. And so we're covering a lot of scripture this morning. And so just hang in because it's all gonna make sense because Paul paints a beautiful picture of the body and we're, it's all gonna make sense. So this is what we see starting in verse one. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but in the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And so go ahead and underline varieties of gifts. And I don't know which translation you have. You may have, there are differences in gifts. There are varieties of gifts, but that is key for us to understand. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. It's the same God who is giving us all of these different gifts. Starting in verse seven, but the manifestation just means the showing of the spirit is given to each, of, each one for the profit of all. So regardless of the varieties of gifts that God is giving to each of his believers as the church, it is for the profit of all, for the good of all people. Verse eight, for one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another, the faith of by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit and to another, the work of miracles to another prophecy, another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues, another of interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Okay, guys, there's a lot of spiritual gifts that are listed there and feel free to underline or highlight what those are because they're key to understanding the church, that we all have a different part and we all have a different role to play in the body of Christ. And so knowing that Paul is writing saying, hey, we can't allow our petty differences to impact the unity of the ministry of the body of Christ. These petty differences, these little jealousies of like, man, I really wish that I had that. Man, I really wish that my gifting was knowledge. I don't like that it's faith. No, God has given you the gift of faith so that you can remain faithful and that you can share that faith with others. Sure, the next person may have a whole lot of knowledge, but that is God's gifting to them, not you. And so it's for the profit of all. We need to go and underline that in verse seven. But the manifestation, the showing of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Okay, and so now that you know that, that Paul's stressing that there is diversity, there is individuality as part of the church, we are not made to look the same that it's all for the unity and the mission of the gospel. So Paul essentially saying, hey, you have a gift. You have a gift. You have a gift. You have a gift. Like you won something. You won the, he's like, I am giving you a gift as a believer in Christ. As someone, as a son and daughter of the king of my son and daughter, I am giving you a gift. I'm equipping you with the tools necessary to advance the kingdom and to change the world. Because once again, the church is the most powerful force in the world, right? Didn't we learn that yesterday? We're the only church, we're the only body of people that have been commissioned by God to go and change the world. And that's amazing. That is something that fires me up time and time again. And this is how he does it. That we are in this together because no one does this alone. And two is that he equips us with every need necessary. And as the church, as a body of believers, if we were all to look the same, what would that do to the world? Like, how would we be effective in that? So that's what we're gonna continue to read. And so dive on in in verse 12. Says this, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are still one body. And so also is Christ. 
verse 13, for once, but for by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free and have all been made, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. For if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, am I am not the body? Is it therefore not the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it not therefore of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would they be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? Are y'all tracking with me? Are y'all getting this? Okay, continue. Verse 20. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again, the hand to the feet. I have no need for you. No, much rather those members of the body, which seem to be weaker are necessary. Underline that. It comes in verse 21. Sorry, verse 22. No, much rather those members of the body, which seem to be weaker are absolutely necessary. Verse 23. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable on those we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have Sorry, I lost my place. Unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the parts which lacks. And that there should be no division of the body. Underline, there should be no division of the body. Verse 25. That there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And verse 26 is key. And I want everyone to highlight this, underline it, circle it, write a note next to it. I don't care what it is, but you need to know what verse 26 says. And it's that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. That's because we're one body. Guys, every single part, yes, some parts get more glamour. Some parts are more hidden. But as one body, as one body, when one thing gets rejoiced or one thing gets celebrated, I mean, it's because we all did our part and we can rejoice with it. And when one thing didn't do its part, it affects the rest of the body. Just like the basketball example, when the team failed, when the, when the team like got hurt and the team like messed up and they got suspended, the rest of like, I felt it as a teammate. My teammates felt that it. it's like, and then when we were down to three people, we can't do the job of everybody else. And so when they, when the one person suffers, the whole team suffers. And that is the same with the church. And so I love this picture that Paul paints. I love this because it's something that every single one of us can understand. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that the foot can't do the job of the hand, right? Not the ear can't do the job of the eye, the mouth can't do the job of the brain. Every single part matters. And I know that we have a tendency to get jealous of other people. It's human nature. That's part of why, like being sinful, we get jealous of other people by, what, whether, by the way they look, by the way they can sing or play an instrument or whatever it may be. And yes, God has equipped them with giftings, but he has equipped you with giftings that matter. Guys, we can all join as a church. If we are willing, we can do this together. So there's no need for the jealousy. We can go ahead. And that's why Paul is saying it's vital that the body is functioning the way it's supposed to and that there's unity there. That is, if we're gonna succeed to change the world, to advance the kingdom, to be the church that God has asked us to be and told us to be, then we can't have division amongst us. Each and every one of you need to be playing your part. And so knowing that, know that as a believer here, you have a gifting. God has gifted you in a very individual and specific way. And if you aren't using that gifting appropriately, then you need to know that you are failing the church. 
if you are, I want you to hear me here, that if you are not using your giftings appropriately, if you are not actively using what God has given you, you are failing the church. You are failing your brothers and sisters around you. You are failing to be your part in this. And so as that, this is one of the biggest issues I think the church faces today, guys. I think this is seriously that people, Christians do not play their parts like they should. And yes, many do, but there are many that don't. And because there are so many Christians who don't play their part, I think churchless Christianity and apathetic membership are two of the most dangerous elements that face the modern day Christianity today. And I know you're like, what the heck is that? Churchless Christianity, it's these people who say, I love Jesus, I profess Jesus with my life, but I don't need church. I love Jesus, but I don't go to church because it's for lost people. I used to go to church, but I still love Jesus. Just because I don't go to church on Sundays, man, I still love Jesus. I can, that's fine. And that's not fine. Because what we learned yesterday is that you cannot fully love Jesus without fully loving his church. It's because the church is not a building. It's because the church is not an institution. It's not a place you go or an event that you attend. It is a spiritual body that you belong to. And if you aren't playing your part in that spiritual family, then you are failing the church. And I think we all need to hear that as 12, 11, 12, 13, 14 year olds, because you are not too young to play your part. If you are a believer, then God has begun to equip you with spiritual gifts to change the world and advance the kingdom. Are we tracking? Y'all with me? No one's falling asleep just yet, right? Okay, because I'm looking, my eyes are out, I'm ready. I am ready to embarrass somebody this morning. So just know that. <laughs> okay, so that is, that is churchless Christianity, but that is just one problem. The second problem I think is even a bigger problem than that. It's apathetic membership. Apathetic membership, it's these people who come to church, who yes, believe in Jesus, but they come to church, they go through the motions, they read their Bible, they memorize scripture, but they don't utilize their spiritual gifts. They are solely consumers. They say, what can do I have to gain? What do I have to take from this time? It's those people who treat church like it's a club, more or less like a country club. And they're saying the church is only for certain kinds of people because there are only certain kinds of people that get into country clubs, right? They treat it like that. And what we learn is that that is not a picture of the church. The church is for everybody. Jesus didn't come for some people. He didn't die for some people. He didn't establish the church just so some people can be part of the church. Jesus came and died for all so that if willing, all people would join this body of believers, that all people, the Jews and Gentiles, as we read in scripture, Jews and Gentiles, poor and rich, weak and strong, everybody. You need to know that the church is for everybody. And it's not a slide, but you can write that down because we need to remember that. Far too often, we look at around the people at our schools and we just think that Christ is for certain kinds of people. We just think that the Christ is only for certain like groups of people that, that are cool enough to, for you to hang out with. We need to understand that the church is for everybody, that Jesus died for every single soul in your schools, whether you like them or not, whether they smell nice or not, whether they dress well or not, Jesus died for that person. And so the same God who died for you is the same God who died for them. And it's about time we start caring for him. Y'all with me there? Okay. And so as we look at the church that we looked at last night, we looked at how they lived this out. And so we saw that the church supports one another. The church worships together. The church prays together. The church lives life together. And the church, they share the gospel with the lost together. And so guys, that is our responsibility as we play our part, as we find, hey God, what is my part to play in this church amongst this family of believers? Our part is that we go and do this together. That, that part of the church does not change. God has equipped each and every one of you with a gifting. And as you live into that gifting, it's time we utilize it to its maximum. If we wanna see the world changed, we have to step it up. 
We have to wake up. We can't just continue to sleep and be a consumer in church saying church is all about me and what I have to gain. No, the church last night that we talked about is not about you whatsoever. The church is solely about Christ. And so it's time that we wake up to that because I know I've been guilty of this too. It's like, I just want to go to church because it's fun. I want to go to church because it's about my friends. I want to go to church because it's free food. I want to go to church because I want to see a girl. Anyone boys ever been there? No, you're too young. You'll get there. You will, the day will come where you will go to church because there's a cute girl that you want to see on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, and you will be there every single week. I promise you that. But that is not what the church is about. The church is not about that. The church is about Jesus. And we need to remember that. And as Jesus died for all, we need to start living like he died for all. So as I said earlier, there are no independent believers. There are no individual believers because as you are adopted into God's family, we looked at yesterday, 1 Peter 1, 3. We looked at it as a privilege to be a part of God's family. And knowing that you are not in this alone because the moment you are a part of God's family, you are amongst a body of believers, the church. And so you are not in this alone. So even as middle schoolers, you need to know that you matter. Your place in the church matters. And some of you may be like, I don't know where I can even plug in. I don't know what that means on a, like at the actual church itself or whatever it may be. You need to know that you matter. Your giftings are purposeful. There are no accidents with God. And that is huge. There are no wasted parts. God did not have an oopsie when he made you. You got that? You were not made by mistake. There was like, ooh, Olivia, ah, I could have made you a little bit better, but I'm going to work with what you got. No, there wasn't. It's like, Robert, you were made purposeful. You were made perfect by God. Micah, the same is true for you. We all have our quirks. We, all, we, we are all weird. Every single one of us is a weird person. We'll just acknowledge that because I, I hang out with you guys every single day. And if you guys aren't weird, then I don't know what weird is because I'm definitely weird. So, okay. <laughs> so even in our weirdnesses, even if like we're real, real weird and we all like, we all are in our own ways, but we also know some weird people. You matter and you are made perfect by God for God so that we can change the world and advance the kingdom. And that happens by playing our part and by being the church, even in our weirdness, right? Because most of you have friends because you kind of have some similar weirdnesses, right? Yeah, yeah, it's true. You find, your, you find your weird friends because you're weird yourself. And it's time that we begin to use that weirdness for God's glory, okay? All right. So as I talk about this, I want you guys to know that as you were made with a purpose, that God didn't make a mistake on you. God didn't make a mistake by putting you in the family that you're in. And instead of that, he's given you an opportunity as a believer to minister to those closest to you first and foremost, whether that be your family. Maybe you're here and you're, you're the only believer in your entire family. God has put you there to minister to your family to be the church to your family. And you have a support group around you who will pray for you, who will pray with you, who will encourage you, who will love you through that. Maybe your support group or at least like your people closest to you or people at school. Like that is your mission field. That is your place where you take your spiritual gifts and you're saying, God, I don't know how this is gonna play out, but I pray that you will use my giftings and not somebody else's because God made you to be you. He didn't make you to be me, right? My giftings are different than your giftings, Piper. Your giftings are different than my giftings. And so God has placed you in a place to be able to use that effectively differently than I could ever, right? And so we need to know that we are surrounded by a body of believers who are gonna love us and encourage us and support us, even when it's in the darkest and hardest places. This is the church, guys. 
We are the church and it's time that we wake up to this mission that people are dying and because they're lost and they don't know Jesus. And so if we aren't taking our part seriously, then people are just gonna miss the point for the rest of their lives. And we fall into this category of, of apathetic Christianity where we do not play our part and the church suffers severely. Don't be part of the church suffering. Just like we looked at the, we are one body. We have many, many parts. And when that one person doesn't do their part, I mean, it affects everybody else. When one part of the body suffers, the entire body suffers. When one part of the body does something well, the, every part of the body rejoices. And that's why scripture tells us that when one person comes to faith, the entire heavens, all the angels in heaven celebrates. It's because that one person matters. And you guys collectively, we as the church have a greater reach than just us individually. So that is why we are not in this alone. You guys track them with me? All right. So you just need to know how incredibly valuable you are to God. He has gifted every single one of you as believers with so many spiritual gifts to be used effectively. And that, is, that's an, that should like amp you up. It amps me up. It amps me up to know that we as a body, as the church right here, all have different gifts to go and make a difference. And so I'm not in this alone. Sometimes I feel like I'm alone. And I know that can be like, man, I don't know where everyone's out right now. And so this is why I need like you, your neighbor, your bunkmate, you like, we are one church right here. We need to commit to this. We need to hold each other accountable for this. We need to be ready to say, hey, we, we need to be on the lookout for people that we can be the gospel to, that we can be the church to, because people are in desperate need, guys. And we're gonna dive into that this afternoon. But what we need to know is that as we close tonight, or this morning, tonight, sorry, it's a bad habit. As we close this morning, I've got two questions for you to, to write down. And these are the two questions. Question number one, am I withholding any of my gifts from the church? Am I withholding any of my gifts from the church? Maybe you're asking, I don't even know what my gift is. And I promise you, you have so many talents. Some of you are so personal, so interrelatable. So you, some of you are gifted musically. Some of you are gifted athletically. And God has given you gifts. So we're gonna talk about that in breakouts, but as we talk about how that applies to the church, are any of you withholding any of your giftings from the church? Question number two. Could I be using my gifts more than I am right now? Ben, you guys can climb up, I'm done. Question number two, could I be using my gifts more than I am right now? Because guys, this isn't something that you can just give half of your heart to. You can't just give half of your heart to God and half of your heart to, heart to the world. Because you can't love Jesus and, and, and you can't love Jesus without loving his church. And that includes your giftings. And so it's essential that you, you understand this and that you begin to take this seriously because your giftings matter to the advancement of the kingdom and to changing the world. If you are the most powerful force on earth, then it's time we start acting like it. So as you think about these questions, I'm gonna pray for us. But you, this is what you need to know is that you have a part to play. And as a church, that part matters. We win together and we lose together as the church. And it's essential as a foundation. We're building a foundation of the church this week. And this is why the foundation is a huge part of our faith. So God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time that we get to continue to dive into your word and understanding the church and who you've made our church to be or your church to be, God. And I thank you that it's not about us and it's only about you. And knowing that it takes all the fear away, takes the anxiety away, it takes the, the angst of just trying to figure out what our part is and just saying, God, it's about you and that's all that matters. And so use me today. 
God, help these students understand that if this starts today, this doesn't start when they get, become a high schooler, doesn't start when they get to college, doesn't start when they get married, it starts today. And so I just pray that we will begin to live like this, that we will take our giftings and use them for your glory so that the, cha- the world will be changed and the kingdom will be advanced. And it's in your name we pray, amen.